You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are back for another edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm Steve Buchanan with my co-host Julian Edlow in a Super Bowl hangover edition of the show. It was a disaster. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It was a disaster from a betting perspective. A lot of people were on the Chiefs, you know, rightfully so. I was on Tampa Bay plus three and a half, but that's whatever. That's probably the only you thing said I got. You cornered right. yourself, though. You cornered yourself. You said Tampa plus three and a half, but Chiefs win. We almost got that in the first couple minutes when they were up three nothing. You know, it was it looked like a pretty good bet. That was it. <laughs> you know what? I, you know what? I'll say one thing. What that didn't hit. I kept pushing the over four and a half sacks with you and Ryan Hodge, and yep. you guys would not give in, and it didn't hit. But the pressure was there. It was for sure. It really the analysis was. on that. I, the analysis wound up being spot on and it was just kind of a bad beat that it, it didn't hit. I mean, I, I think to be fair, there was a lot of bad beats in that game. And look, when, when you're doing these, you know, bets, you always have to try to think of all the different situations that could come out of this, you know, how this game could play out. Nobody expected the Chiefs to look as bad as they did. Like, that was un- uh, so unlike them. Absolutely atrocious. Like, if, if you do 100 simulations, that happens probably once or twice, twice, truly. Like, we've never seen Patrick Mahomes look that bad. And then, obviously, he just had foot surgery. So, you know, was that a bigger factor than they were leading on to? Maybe. But then, you know, like you just alluded to as well, the pressure on Patrick Mahomes was insane. I mean, that offensive line is like, that's what we expect to see from like the Texans or something or the Seahawks. Like they were that bad in that game. It was that big of a deal though. Like a number one overall pick, their best tackle out for a guy that's one of the worst tackles in in the NFL and has proved that on the big stage before in the NFL, um, in the Super Bowl rather. Uh, And then, you know, a tackle out on the other side. Yeah, I don't think Mahomes played that poorly. Like he was still running around trying his best to make plays and avoiding right. what should have been. There should have been way more sacks in that game on the Tampa side. <clears throat> um, so I, I just feel like I don't even think Mahomes played that bad. I think the offensive line was train wreck. It was the yeah, perfect yeah. storm against guys like Barrett and JPP, a great front line for for Tampa, and receivers dropping passes when Mahomes was hitting yeah. them on the run. Kelsey had a massive drop early when it was still close. There were other ones late. Uh, I don't even think Mahomes played that poorly. So 
talking about that offensive line. Patrick Mahomes dropped back 56 times in that game. He was under pressure on 31 of his dropbacks, which is 55% of his dropbacks. He was under pressure. In those scenarios, he had 26 pass attempts. He completed nine. Nine of those 26 pass attempts for 78 yards, which is a 34.6% completion percentage, 52.2 adjusted completion percentage. Absolutely brutal. Now, on the ones where he wasn't under pressure, only 25 of his dropbacks, he was 17 for 23, 192 yards, obviously didn't throw any touchdowns. Can you imagine betting no touchdowns from the Chiefs and actually hitting that? Because that was in play. That was something that you could I think bet. it was plus 5,000. Unbelievable. Like, I don't know a single – I would love to see the bets up for that if somebody had, you know, the cojones to do that. But no passing touchdowns from uh, Patrick Mahomes. Did throw two interceptions. Just an abysmal – performance but let's not take away from how good that bucks defensive line was they played unbelievable out of their mind better than anybody could have expected when you look at how the line movement was on the live line opening line kansas city chiefs like we said minus three was the spread for the chiefs 162 on the money line by the time halftime rolled around minus seven for the bucks plus 350 on the money line for the Chiefs. It was over. It was done with. Just an amazing look at that live line. Like I said, opened at 162, money line for the Chiefs, ended at um, plus 1,400 near the end of that game. Like, just just not what you'd expect at all. And that and the spread ended up closing at the two-minute warning, plus 15 and a half for the Chiefs. So just, just, just an unbelievable line movement there. I do want to talk about two of the states that got it right, though. There were two states where you can bet on the DraftKings Sportsbook that had this right. One's easy to guess. One is easy to guess. New Hampshire. Patriot Country. Part of Patriot Country, excuse me. 55% of the money, 56% of the bets were on Tampa Bay plus three by the time the game locked. 76% of the money and 81% of the bets on the Tampa Bay money line. Taking some value there on the money line at plus 143 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, here's one that blew me away. This just feels totally random, but there has to be some reason. The other state that was totally in on Tampa Bay here was Colorado. 81% of the money was on Tampa Bay plus three, but only 33% of the bets. So some huge bets coming out of Colorado on that plus three. You know why? Mattress Mac. That was it. That I knew I was missing something. I did not think of it. That was there you it. Go. That you was were gonna it. you were telling me you told me it was Colorado before the show, and then you said you would save it. Now I guess why. It's obvious why. That's 3. right. 3.4 million came from one man. <laughs> That's right. I totally forgot about that. That explains it. That explains it. That does explain it. Okay. Yep. All right, so that's not as cool now. That's not as interesting. That that isn't as you know fascinating as I, that's right. Mattress Mac flying his plane to Colorado, placing the bet, and turning around. I want to have that kind of life. Hey, yeah. send me off to Colorado so I can make this bet, and let's just turn right back around. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Okay. Well, you still have that information. That's where it came from. All the big whale play. There it was. Mattress Mac. There's, that's why it moved that. Correct. I want to talk about the Super Bowl MVP though. Now, I wasn't surprised that Brady won. 
because on more than half of the Super Bowls that have taken place, the quarterback usually wins. I think it's 55% that the quarterback has won the MVP, obviously higher now because of Brady. But coming into that, I think it was about 55% of the MVPs went to the quarterback. Coming into that game, obviously Brady was second in the odds to win MVP. It was Patrick Mahomes. Ended up closing at um, plus 110 for Mahomes. I'm sorry, that was the opening line. Closed at 106 for Mahomes, my, my mistake. Plus 190 for Brady. When it went up to 3 nothing, and you could live bet the MVP. I didn't even realize that you could live bet the MVP. But that's available on the DraftKings Sportsbook. And honestly, I'm that's glad I didn't. Cool. That is very cool. And honestly, I'm glad I didn't know that because we'll talk about why because I would have bet the wrong person. What was Brady? I have a question. What was Gronk at 7-3? One Gronk touchdown in. Gronk was off the board at that time. So there's okay. that. Um. So Brady got as high as plus 260 live. And that's when the Kansas City Chiefs were up 3-0. Mahomes dropped all the way down to 134. The 134 was the last time that um, Mahomes was the favorite after that, obviously, because it was just all Buccaneers after that. But Gronkowski coming into this was 70-1 to to win the MVP. By the time before we reached halftime, when it was 21-6 to Tampa Bay, he was plus 200 to win MVP. Now, to be fair, Brady was minus 400, so he was the heavy favorite here at that time. But were you surprised that Gronkowski didn't get this? Because I honestly was. And, and again, we all, they always tend to go with the quarterback when they win these games. Tight ends very rarely win this game. But, you know, obviously the two touchdowns in this one, huge part of this, huge target share in this game. It almost like when you think about it, it's kind of made sense. These two have the biggest rapport. All the points scored in this game were from Buccaneers players who were not on the team last year. So sorry for you guys. But, I mean, even when it was plus 500, because it was at one point, that's when he came back on the board. He went from 70 to 1 to 5 to 1. That's when it was 14-3 Tampa Bay. Wouldn't you still, that felt like a really good opportunity to take him. Would it not have? Here's how I look at it. Brady's won seven. He's got five MVPs. So that's five and seven chance. So that people talk about, you know, bet the quarterback and you're generally right, but those aren't even that bad odds. People talk about it like it's automatic quarterback, like two out of seven times Edelman and Dion branch two pass catchers, not tight ends, but pass catchers being the two other MVPs. It does make sense to think about it that way. Uh, But for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone there. It's, I don't know. At the end of the game, I wouldn't have gone there. At the time, when you tell me Gronk has the first two TDs to make it 14 to three, and like, what if he catches another? Right. At the catching me in the moment, you could say maybe that's a, a place to get in live, even though you're getting screwed, comparatively speaking, on what the initial odds are compared to what you're betting live. Of course. Uh, if you can swallow that pill. But I thought it was going, first of all, I thought it was going to Brady because he still had a three touchdown game, got another one into Antonio Brown before the half played smart. And I think it was just the overall impact of Brady on the season that it was given for. It could have gone to Gronk. It could have gone to certain different people. Um, But it was clear that Brady was the difference in Tampa's season turning around the way that it did. Um, now, also, if, if I'm giving the award for the individual game, the most valuable player of the individual game, I'm probably giving it to somebody on the defensive line and probably giving it to sure. Shaq, Bar- Shaq Barrett. 
Um, although JPP somehow not getting a sack, but being in there just punishing Mahomes consistently, the stats weren't there, but I think JPP had the same impact Barrett did. Those two guys were the most valuable players in the game. Um, and it's kind of, it's because of how run down Kansas city's offensive line was, but at the same time, that doesn't take, doesn't take away their value. They're two very athletic, versatile defensive ends that, that made the biggest difference in the game because, like we right, said, right. you know, the Chiefs got uh, nine points. They didn't score a touchdown. To me, it's obvious the the most valuable players in the game were, were the Tampa defensive line. No, absolutely. And, and they don't get the love that they deserve because, quite frankly, who shuts down Patrick Mahomes? Nobody. Nobody. But that was done in this game. And, you know, like I said, people will say, obviously, the turf toe was a bigger issue, already had successful surgery, already in rehab. So that's taken care of. But – just the pressure on him was just unlike we've ever seen. I'm not, I'm not saying that the Kansas city offensive line has been great because, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes was under pressure on average, about 30% of his dropbacks, but this was just way more than we've ever seen. And especially coming from this team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did have a good pass rush. Don't get me wrong. I think they ended eighth in the league overall, but that was just on a completely different level and eliminating the biggest threat of the Buccaneers winning this game, which is Patrick Mahomes. He still made some magician-type throws, don't get me wrong. But he was such a non-factor. And coming into this game as three-point favorites, you know, the line barely moved. It was Everyone felt they was set accordingly. But we did not expect something like this. I did not expect the blowout. You did not expect the blowout. The sports books were happy about this turnout. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, Absolutely. And, you know, if you took prop bets, I mean, I, I gave off some prop bets. They were horrific. They were absolutely horrific. I did not expect. You were all over him. Yeah, of course. Why would you not? You know, I didn't expect another 269-yard gain, but I expected him to be flirting with 100 yards. Yep. Almost he was in the 70s. Just a crazy, crazy game. But uh, I just thought that the MVP odds was uh, was crazy that, you know, Gronk from, went from 71 to 5 to 1. Obviously, in these games, I mean, you can massive swings are going to happen like that. But, you know, if at the time when he was five to one scoring two touchdowns, Tampa Bay up 14 to three, kind of feel like he's going to be the one. But obviously, it went to Brady once again. Any uh, closing thoughts on the Super Bowl before we put that one to bed for good? Um, not really. Uh, it, it was, uh, it was a, very unique outcome that obviously we, we overlooked some certain things. We overlooked, you know, Tampa was seven and five and then won eight in a row four regular season four postseason. Uh, Tampa's defense was so much improved down the stretch, even with Jameis Winston last season, it was just those turnovers on the wrong side of the field leading to all the points. Uh, If we looked, if we studied it a little more with the key offensive line injuries, we could have maybe seen why Tampa wasn't sure, you know, as big of an underdog as people thought. And then over on the DraftKings Sportsbook, they do have futures bets already yep. up that you can take a look at. Super Bowl winner, Chiefs are favored once again, plus 550. Packers right behind them at plus 900. Tampa Bay also at the same there at plus 900, followed by the Ravens at 12 to 1. Don't really want to get too far into this already. Um, I feel like the Buccaneers are in that spot tied for second, just because they have some free agent um, things that they have to work out. Chris Godwin is a potential free agent. Supposedly Bruce Arian said that he's not going anywhere, but you know, 
he can say that, but the cap space says something different. So that might be something to watch. Ravens at plus 1,200. Mm, decent value, I feel like, but the Bills are also at plus uh, at uh, 12 to 1 there. Probably side with the Bills on that one if I'm looking in that range, but not surprised to see the Chiefs at plus 550. Player futures are up. Regular season, season MVP. Obviously, I'm not really looking into that one yet. The next thing that is coming up that's relevant, probably not a bet you want to make. First overall pick in the NFL draft, Trevor Lawrence, uh, 50 to 1. Minus 50, minus 5,000 on that one, obviously. One to 50. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Justin Fields, want to get some uh, value there, 14 to 1, why not? But uh, those are up on the DraftKings Sportsbook if you want to take a look. There's nothing up that I'm betting yet. I mean, I'm I'm going to eventually bet Super Bowl stuff, not quite yet. I'm waiting for for win totals. I'm excited for win totals. Let me just speak. I, I haven't done any real research here yet, but let me just speak to Tampa. Tampa was eight and a half last year, moved to nine and a half with the Brady news. If Tampa's 10, they went 11 and five. If Tampa's 10 and a half this year, maybe they're 11 and a half. I'm betting the over. This team's going to go like 14 and two. I'm not even kidding. Uh, Like you said, they have Brady's coming back. Gronk's going to come back. Uh, They have, they're going to have pretty much the same team, except with free agent space to bring in better players that are now going to be attracted there after seeing that postseason run. And then you remember, let's look at, at, at who they, they play. Like, do they have the AFC East? I know they, I know Tampa's in new England next year. Tampa comes yeah. to Foxborough. That's, I mean, going to be a, a thrashing. They, the, the, and the NFC division they have is the NFC East. So they're going to be playing those garbage bag teams. And then Tampa, here's the key part. New Orleans won the division. Tampa didn't. So Tampa's playing the second place schedule, not the first place schedule. So they don't play division winners like Seattle or Green Bay. They play all the second place teams. Um, And then Drew Brees is, it sounds like, going to retire. Saints stink. Falcons stink. Panthers stink. (laughs) The Bucs are going 14-2 and next year. No joke. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are playing the AFC East. They have matchups uh, at home against the Bills and the Dolphins on the road against the Patriots and the Jets. So we have that to look forward to uh, in the upcoming season. I mean, they have. It looks like they have the the Bills in the at the Rams and hosting the Bills are the two toughest games that yep. they'll play next year. The Rams with Matt Stafford, by the way. Sure, great. So, all right, uh, there are some things that you can bet tonight. Small NBA slate that's going on tonight. Uh, five games on the schedule in this one. What comes? What kind of uh, jumps out at you for this small slate, if much of anything? Yeah, I don't have any specific um, specific plays yet, but it's going to come down to injury news, like it has the the last few nights. So, yeah, <clears throat> it's really like after that five thirty p.m. injury report when when somebody gets ruled out that that you want to look at so i'm trying to dig up some more specific plays but i don't want to force anything so i'm not necessarily coming up with anything for the thursday card right now um what i will say is that with some of my content i think i'm going to start focusing on uh you know everything that we do every every betting article that i put out on dk playbook for nba gives picks it's nba best bets it's three bets not every article can be that. So something that I am going to start focusing on a little bit more is giving you 
you know, the trends and tools to kind of make your own decisions. I might not be betting anything that day, but you want to make an NBA bet. Here's how these teams have been doing against the spread um, on the road in this matchup, stuff like that. And just kind of give you the ability to, you know, formulate what you want to do with a, with a certain side. Um, But as usual, all, all the key stuff really, for me, like 80% of the plays or whatnot, I usually say are, are injury are injury related player props, just because that's where, where the bigger edge uh, comes from. So just quickly looking into looking into Thursday and it's five games on Thursday. Um, the DFS slate starts at, at seven 30. There's, you know, Houston is still thin without Christian Wood. Um, John Wall, it looks like, is probable. So it looks like Wall and Oladipo will be on the floor together, and they haven't been a lot. So I'm not much of an unders guy, but Wall and Oladipo unders since they're going to share the backcourt, and they've just kind of been splitting up those back-to-backs. That could make some sense. Um, Portland's obviously really shorthanded. Nurkic isn't there at center. Cantor is one of the worst defensive centers in the NBA. Joel Embiid, I'm seeing his point total at 29 and a half. He should have a 30 point game in this spot. The problem is it looks like people are already catching on to that and it's juiced up to minus 148. So I don't know if you want to lay that on Embiid getting to getting to 30 points, but he's scored at least 33 in three of his last four. He scored 37 earlier this month against Portland. Um, that feels like a really safe one just based on, on matchups alone. Uh let me ask you something real quick too. Um, so obviously since we last recorded the pod, the whole situation with Kevin Durant happened, I think the next day on Friday where that mm-hmm. whole health and protocols ended up getting pulled in the third quarter. Have you seen reactions to that for the next game come as quickly as that? Because obviously injuries happen, whatever, but obviously the health protocols is completely different because there's contract tracing and all that. Has there been a quick reaction to those for the next game for someone like, you know, Landry Shamet, who was obviously, you know, benefited most because Irving and Durant were both out uh, in a subsequent game. Are you seeing props react quickly with situations like that? Or is it kind of on the same lines with injuries? For the the same night stuff? Yes. Because like Durant was out and then questionable and then in and then out. Right. So like the Durant one's really unique because he's the only guy that's been like out and then played in a game and then yanked. And I don't think we're going <laughs> right. to, I don't think we're going to see that again, just because it's not a good look for the NBA uh, right. to, to do that. And now he's out until Friday yeah. missing a full week, but they put him on the floor. So that uh, that's an outlier. Uh, yes. People react very quickly to the props when we get these news. Like for example, uh, one that I played on Friday, was that I wrote up in best bets was Jason Tatum over 38 and a half points, rebounds, assists against the Clippers. If Jalen Brown was ruled out, Jalen Brown got ruled out around four 30. Um, and he probably had until about four 45 to bet that prop until it was gone and then reopened at 40 and a half. Now he did, he had 43. So he got over the 40 and a half anyway, but why not put a little rush on it and get yourself the 38 and a half because next time you might have 39 or 40 and it makes all the difference in the world. Um, so, you know, you gotta be quick on those, on those windows. Um, the one other thing that I was just going to say about Thursday's card, 
No Aaron Gordon. Uh, Nikola Vucevic has been a beast. He had one bad game, 17 points, eight rebounds. The other ones, 21 points, 18 rebounds, 43 points and 19 rebounds, 27 points and 15 rebounds. He goes up against Golden State, who doesn't have much in terms of size uh, on this slate. So Vooch rebounds is a spot. Uh, that I'm potentially looking. And then Fournier questionable, Cole Anthony questionable, um, Alfred Aminu questionable. The Orlando side against Golden State could be one that has some good good prop value, whether those three questionable guys are in or out. Yep. And then one other thing I wanted to bring up that's on the DraftKings Sportsbook now is there are some MLB futures that have finally dropped because, quite frankly, spring training is right around the corner. They are expected to go with, you know, a full season, you know, things as normal as they can be, which seems impossible at this point. Don't want to dive too much into this as of yet, but oh, actually, as I'm looking right now, there's actually more categories that are up now. They now have home run leader, which is on there, which is not on there earlier. Hits leader and RBI leader. So I'm actually just seeing this as I'm talking to you now. So I don't want to dive into that too much. I did want to get into National League MVP though real quick. And I'm not totally biased on this. So spare me. But I am. I was shocked. Honestly shocked that Fernando Tatis Jr. is plus 850 for National League MVP. Fourth. The fourth best odds on the board. Ahead of him, Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, Cody Bellinger. All guys that are completely capable, don't get me wrong. But I honestly was expecting Tatis to be two. I really thought that he was going to be second on the board, so I was pleasantly surprised to see that he is fourth. And the reason I am saying that is because, obviously, we know what the Padres have done this offseason. This is going to be a winning team. That is going to be an unbelievable lineup, an unbelievable rotation that he is surrounded with. And we haven't seen Tatis play a full season yet. He's played in two seasons, but he's played a total of 143 games. In that span, 39 home runs, 98 RBIs, 27 stolen bases. His isolated power in those two years, 272, 295. I am just shocked that he's plus 850 for MVP. Obviously, many, many things can happen between now and October. But if if there's a bet to make right now, 850 for Fernando Tatis Jr. MVP. I just, I'm elated for that number. Here's the only, uh, my only pushback, I guess. Don't, or my only... uh pushback against your your argument for him is don't bet him because of the number don't be like i thought he was going to be second and he's fourth sure Sure. you have to like the plus 850 because i don't care that he's fourth because first is a tie between mookie Betts and juan soto at plus 750 and and second or third or whatever you want to call it is bellinger at plus 800 so like those guys are almost in a four-way tie for first right although you know 750 to 850 is a little something um and then we get to like Acuna plus a thousand. So I would consider him nearly like a four way co-favorite, um, which gets the numbers way up because you look at the AL side when you have a heavy guy like Drought, yeah. and then the next guy's plus a thousand. Right. Who were the MVPs last year? I can't even remember baseball. Um, you know, honestly, off the top you of don't my head, even I don't freaking know. Yeah. Did Drought win? I think he did. I thought so. I think too. he did. I mean, it was just such an odd season that it was just, I didn't even really, 
pay attention. No, I know. And I don't, I don't want to judge anything too much off last season, but here, like, Oh, Jose Abreu. That's right. Jose Abreu and Freddie Freeman. That's right. Oh, I remember that now. Yeah. Our new Freeman got it. Okay. Abreu. uh, Okay. Abreu is plus 2,500 by the way to repeat, but right. So here's the thing with trout. Like all the nerds are always like, at the end of the season, it doesn't matter. Oh, Trout's war and his whatever stuff that I don't even follow makes him the MVP. But we had a million playoff teams last year and the Angels still couldn't freaking make the playoffs. So, like, right. I feel like this team has to be good to make it. I feel like somebody is going to have a great year for a team that does really well and that'll make them the MVP. Right. So having Trout at plus 200 in that league so heavily favored for such an awful team that's probably not going to make the playoffs gives us better numbers on everybody else. Right. So my eye goes right to the AL, not to a specific player. I'm not trying to give you a play. I'm sure. just trying to give you a theory that because, you know, this is like saying Anthony Davis when he was on the Pelicans is the heavy MVP favorite but the Pelicans stink. Like it doesn't work like that in the NBA. You need to, you know, lead a team right. that has a chance at winning a title, but it's a similar argument saying like Anthony Davis was putting up such ridiculous, num- ridiculous numbers. Um, but, he, you know, he's not going to win MVP. Baseball works in a way where if there isn't somebody that is dominant, it's right. just kind of like the backup plan is we'll give it to trout. Cause he'll have all the numbers, right. Going with anybody else is just, you're getting good value because trout shouldn't be plus 200. He is based on numbers, but he, he has to get his team to, to the playoffs to, to win it. Right. So just something to look at here. I was, um, I'm pleasantly surprised that these other ones are up there too, as well. Kind of kind of dive into that real quick. Uh, Pete Alonzo, Mike Trout, both are the favorites for home run leader hits leader. Trey Turner is a slight favorite over Mookie Betts, RBI leader, Juan Soto, uh, a slight favorite over Cody Bellinger. Well, I'm kind of surprised Juan Soto's the uh, top dog there. We'll get into that more as we look into it. But those are all up on the DraftKings Sportsbook. So go head over there, take a look, maybe start making some futures bets because before you know it, baseball is going to be going. Spring training expected to start next week. They are going with a normal schedule. It looks as of right now, no universal DH, which is stupid. That's a different story. We could do a whole another podcast on that one. Can't wait to watch Adam Wainwright, you know, bat for the Cardinals with bases loaded in the ninth inning. Nobody wants to see that. Ridiculous. Actually, that's a lie. Adam Wainwright's not going to be in the game in the ninth inning. But whatever, that's neither here nor there. So check that out over on the DraftKings Sportsbook for all the MLB futures. That's going to do it for our uh, this edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast in the coming weeks. March Madness is coming up, baby. March Madness will be featured here prominently on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. We'll get some guests ready for that one, and then we'll be getting into some MLB, some game talk, baby. Getting into that as well over the next coming weeks, so be sure to stay tuned here on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. All the areas that you can listen to podcasts, we are available, so make sure to go download and listen to that. For Julian Edlow, I'm Steve Buchanan. We'll catch you next week.